0: cracking, all you coup fans? I thought I would tried something new. Ku, because that's our abbreviations, and cracking, because that's our title.
1: Yeah, all right, that works.
0: Yeah, I did it. <laughs> Get ready for merch coming soon. What's cracking, all you coup fans?
1: So, who are you? Welcome to Kraken 1 Open with Mike and Elise.
0: <laughs> and so, I'm Mike.
1: And I'm Elise.
0: Everybody understood when I, I said so. I was
1: Mike. By process of
0: elimination, you were Elise. We didn't need that.
1: Well, fine, I'll just, do you, do you even need me? Should I just go?
0: I mean, I don't know nothing about the beer. It's just going to be a lot of uh, can description, <laughs> but said really slow to, to to keep time.
1: Well, it's a good thing I happen to know a lot about this beer.
0: This can is
1: pur- This week, <laughs> we are coming to you with Wet the Beak from Hulls Brewing Company, uh, which is located in New Haven, Connecticut. So, this brewery's history actually goes back to 1872 when Colonel William Hull established the Hull Brewing Company, nicknamed Hull's. Hmm. And the brewing was actually nonstop until Prohibition hit in 1920. And most breweries shut down at this time, but Hull's got creative. And from 1920 to 1933, they were actually able to stay in business by producing ice and non-alcoholic malt beverages. Those clever sons of bitches. Right? And after the repeal of Prohibition in 1933, the Hull Brewing Company moved its entire operation to the old Frizenius Brewery, which was also located in New Haven.
0: Frizenius, huh?
1: That's how it's spelled.
0: I like it. I like it. <laughs>
1: In fact, New Haven actually had 28 breweries before 1900, which is kind of crazy.
0: Well, you think there's too many breweries around now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Hull's was the last man standing when they hit their 100 year anniversary back in 1972. Hmm. Um, by this point, Hull's was pretty much the beer in Connecticut. Like if you went to a bar and wanted beer on draft, it was going to be Hull's export lager. Uh, Hulls was producing 4.5 million gallons of beer and ale per year for Connecticut. And according to the Hartford Courant, that translates to roughly 12 pints for every man, woman and child in the state.
0: Sounds about right.
1: Interesting statistic. (laughs) Unfortunately, they only stayed in business for five more years after their landmark anniversary, closing the doors in 1977. Did it say why? Why? There was apparently a nasty rumor in the 70s that the water holes drew out of the ground on Congress Avenue was tainted by formaldehyde leaching from a nearby cemetery. But that's just slander. Um, in reality, holes closed because their prices were being seriously undercut by bigger names like Anheuser-Busch. And not just that, these big breweries would come into bars and offer to like install new draft systems for them in exchange for an exclusive contract. Of
0: course, of course.
1: Yeah. That's so, some
0: shady shit, yo. Right?
1: Uh, so thankfully, after some 40 some odd years, another New Haven resident with a passion for beer decided to bring Halls back to life in 2018, starting with their traditional export lager and actually using the original recipe for it as well. We picked up a six pack of that before we even got what we are featuring this week, what the Beak. And cool. that, that the, lager is fantastic. It is
0: really, really good. We got it because we wanted to see what the original was like. Yeah. So we wanted to be able to compare like old holes with new holes.
1: Yeah. Cause you, you had an idea about this brewery. Like you recognized the name. I didn't personally.
0: I had been told about this brewery before, like that it existed. Okay. And that was the big brewery when, you know, when older people talk to me, they, they talk about, you know, how back when they were my age, you know, holes yep. was around and everything was about holes. Yep. And then, you know, Seeing Holes back now was like, oh, that's Holes. So mm-hmm. obviously, it'd make for a good, good history lesson for the episode, and also be an interesting beer to try. Like I, I always like when we get to try pilsners and lagers from the the sixties and seventies because you get yeah. to see like what was beer back then. Were all these like uh, boomers, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better word,
1: what they what they are what like their this idea beer, of beer this is. is beer. Yeah, like okay, that's and, fine.
0: Still expand your horizons, but it is better than that. Beer is better than. A Bud or a Budweiser. Oh,
1: it's far and away better. Yeah. Bush. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's talk a little bit about Wet the Beak. It's a hazy New England IPA that comes in at 6.2% ABV. And according to Holes, it has a berry forward aroma, pillowy mouthfeel with floral and cantaloupe notes. And it's smooth and light with low bitterness. Um, it was dry hopped with Barber Rouge and Meridian hops, Ooh. which is part of why we chose this beer. Um, those are two hops that I have never heard of. Yeah. So. Where
0: are the citra hops? <laughs> are you telling me we're doing an IPA that has no citra hops? An
1: IPA with no citra.
0: Be still my beating heart. Oh my God. Not so, that I don't like citra hops, but I mean. They're in everything. Yeah. It's it's good to expand your horizons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're the invasive species of hops. <laughs> So here we go. Uh, Meridian hops were actually kind of a happy accident when in 2011, a field that was meant to be Columbia hops actually turned out to be a completely different hop by the time it was harvested in 2012. After genetic testing confirmed that it was not Columbia, they pushed forward with growing it to evaluate it for disease resistance and consistent character. And it was released in 2015 for use by other brewers.
0: So... Mm -hmm. They planted a hop, not knowing what that hop was going to be.
1: They thought it was going to be Columbia, but apparently they got it from an unreliable source. Uh, I don't know
0: who uh, accidentally made a new strain. I uh, guess. Yep. Okay.
1: Um, so Meridian is considered a top note hop that works really well in saisons, uh, wit beer, or farmhouse styles. But when it's combined with more aggressive hops in IPAs, it serves to brighten up the the flavors of the beer.
0: Oh, I was going to say. At first, I was getting a little scared. I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, you're no, saying, this is not you're a. You're listening to
0: beers. I'm not. This, this is a not huge a saison beer.
1: And Meridian hops deliver a mix of tropical, berry, and citrus fruitiness with a hint of spearmint, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. I do <laughs>
0: love me spearmint.
1: Right. Um. And then the Rouge hops were developed in Alsace, France. At I don't know how to say that Alsace. A l s a c e. A-L-S-A-C-E. Alsace, like Alsace, lorraine yeah, sure. Right. Um, <laughs> and this aroma variety is all over the place. Buckle up. We've got berry flavors of red currant, strawberry, and raspberry, and zesty citrus flavors of orange, lime, and kumquat.
0: Oh, I love me some kumquat.
1: <laughs> but it's surprisingly versatile. Um, these hops are well-suited for American IPAs, New England IPAs, pale ales, and even Pilsner's. Mm. So I think we've got a pretty interesting one on our on our hands. What do you say we crack uh, it open? Yes, please. <laughs> All right.
0: So now that we've cracked these open, ooh, I do get that berry on the nose.
1: Ooh, very berry.
0: That's interesting because when you said that, I was like, "Have I really smelt a beer that wasn't like a berry based?" lager or sour, where I've smelled the berry on the nose on an IPA. Yeah. We've had IPAs where we've tasted the berry, mm-hmm. but none that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, very few or very most, the most very few beers that you smell it on the, on the nose.
1: Yeah. I I get that strawberry and raspberry, like hardcore. Mm-hmm. I will also be very interested to see if any of that spearmint comes through.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting descriptor. Yeah. I'll tell you, I don't get any of that kumquat. <laughs> Mostly. Because
1: I don't, know what, I don't like. know what a kumquat tastes like. What
0: a kumquat tastes like. And I only have the vaguest idea of what it looks like in my brain.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Holy carbonation.
0: Wow, it is light bitter. Yeah. There's almost oh, no that's bitterness to this idea. Oh, I get a little bit of the spearmint on the back the back end. Do you really? Mm-hmm.
1: I get all that berry right up. Right up front.
0: Oh, the berry is the berry is strong with this one.
1: Yeah, I wonder. On a random side note, what "wet the beak" means, like it's just to a, them.
0: It's just a saying. I'm yeah, to wet my beak.
1: Yeah, but if it has any significance for them, because they they have another one called the Hill, which refers to their the original location of the brewery.
0: Which we've had the Hill. Mm-hmm. This is definitely better than the Hill.
1: This is excellent.
0: It's so interesting. Yeah, I really get that spearmint off the back end. I get this like refreshing, cool taste that I feel like that's got to be the spearmint, <laughs> or else it's just or in it's my in brain. Your head. Because, yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll see if I get that at any point.
0: That's the thing with our tasting notes is like a lot of the times, like because we do it after you describe the beer, a lot of it's in my brain. Mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if we should do no, because then you can't teach us about the like, and you've done the notes beforehand, so it's tough.
1: Yeah. We'd have to record in we should, multiple segments.
0: If we should go separately to a liquor store, buy beer from past episodes mm-hmm. and not even liquor store breweries, wherever we got it or want to get, we choose a random one, but it has to have been from a past episode. Okay. We give it to each other and that episode is us trying to describe the beer.
1: And see if it's accurate.
0: And see if it's what we had been so sure it tasted like and smelled like when we initially did it. Now that we don't remember the tasting notes, I don't know what beer it is. That
1: would be an interesting experiment.
0: Like maybe do that for one episode instead of the pop culture stuff. See if it, mm-hmm. we could do that. Taste test. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, this the carbonation in this beer is also very interesting. And the foam is like, it reminds me of well when we poured them for the pictures. Mm-hmm. It looked like a cartoon. Yes. It looked like a cartoon beer, like one that you'd see in the Looney Tunes slide over and the person <laughs> going and drinks it and wipes the foam from their face. Yep. Like, even now, I've had about a quarter of it and there's still. There's still foam.
1: foam Yeah. And a little bit of sediment. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) Which I got a lot of sediment on. I got some big boy chunks on the bottom of mine. They did
1: say it was hazy.
0: Oh, man. Weird. (laughs) I don't mind sediment. No. It's kind of gross looking on the bottom, but.
1: Once I get toward the bottom, it tends to like gross me out a little bit more and maybe I won't finish it like 100%. You don't want to
0: swig that swill at the bottom. Chew my beer. The millions and billions of little bubbles. Mm hmm none of them are very big bubbles they're all just really tiny almost hard to see through uh the stein i'm drinking through but
1: oh yeah this is very hazy
0: you can tell there's so many like even more than i would say maybe a normal pilsner or even which is
1: probably sp- why we had to wait so long for the foam to go oh, down yeah. to take the picture
0: <laughs> more than maybe even most sodas like yeah I think this is more bubbles than like in a coke yeah. or sprite or something it's very very carbonation you get that when you sip it it's mm-hmm. so interesting because you get
1: but it's not overwhelming um i love it yeah. i
0: love carbonation but i think somebody who was expecting the hazy, a normal hazy year ipa which this isn't the haziest i can still kind of see my fingers through the glass
1: mm-hmm.
0: aren't expecting something maybe quite so in your face bubbles i suppose but it does allow the flavors to really dance on your tongue mm-hmm. it's so interesting because it's also so refreshing for something that's it a little is. hazier and it's you it said is low very light. Yeah. Yeah. It's so light. There's almost no bitterness to this.
1: No, which is very strange for an IPA.
0: Yeah. We've, we even did the, uh, we've had the new Two Roads We Demon,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is a super low calorie.
1: Yeah. It's like 95 um, calories, but still
0: IPA. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that would have a low bitterness because it wouldn't have, you know, as much stuff going on in it.
1: But it's got a lot of flavor going
0: on. Oh, it does. Well, maybe we'll do it for another episode. Yeah. This isn't about We Demon, no. but it it's more bitter than this. Oh for sure. Like this is so low in bitterness.
1: This is a very different IPA.
0: Yes. Very. It's
1: like a juice box IPA. Is it
0: though? Like I I, I don't know the if this is the same is as like so a so out of Like a juice bomb is like always no, so different. No, oh, I
1: didn't mean it like that. You mean a like
0: juice box like it's just sippable like, like
1: fruity, like... yeah.
0: It is fruity, but it doesn't it doesn't lose the beerness to it. It's still Mm-mm. very beery. That's true. But you are right that that berryness is a very juice box berry.
1: It's good. You want to talk a little bit about the can? I would love
0: to talk a little <laughs> bit about the can. I love this can. You do love this can. And I'm pretty sure it's because this can is kind of iridescent. Yep. And the colors it displays are green to teal to purple. Mm-hmm. The Elyseist.
1: It me. Of
0: colors. <laughs> <laughs> so the can itself, while iridescent, is, is kind of feathery. Which mm-hmm. maybe is where they, when they said what the beak, whoever designed the can was kind of like, all right, what the beak. So maybe I'll do feathers. Yeah. And the feathers they chose are like peacock type feathers, like something you would see <laughs> on a boa.
1: It's the colors of a peacock, but it doesn't look like the texture of a peacock feather.
0: I was talking more their actual bodies, not so much their
1: oh, okay. frill,
0: but okay. yes, it's definitely feathers. It's it's kind of like more of a boa feathery kind of a thing, like mm-hmm. when humans try to take feathers and make something out of them. Yeah. Because so it's definitely more like overlapping, scaly kind of chunks of feathers kind of coming down mm-hmm. or maybe even what a real Velociraptor or Tyrannosaurus Rex looked like. Oh
1: boy. Here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they looked real weird, guys. They looked real weird. <laughs> uh, so that's, that wraps around pretty much the whole can, but it is kind of a, a, a stick on label. So you've got that gap of silver mm-hmm. on the right end of the can. You've got your government warning with a purple backing. And on the left end of the can, You've got that green backing. So you can see that the can even contrast uh, the labels. Yeah, it goes from that green to purple. And the green end has the description of the can brewed and canned at Overshore's brewing East Haven, Connecticut on Mm -hmm. behalf of Hulls. Correct. So they brew at different locations, which we've seen quite a few, a few other places as well.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know how many. I did read something about them having a contract with Overshore to brew, but I don't know if they brew all of their beer or just certain types. Did Hulls
0: open their brewery or did Hulls just open in name?
1: That's the question. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We didn't check the other cans that we got to see where where those were brewed. True. So Interesting.
0: The center of the can has a Hulls label and the Hull is, Hulls is very old school kind of cursive writing, mm-hmm. uh, much I assume the way it was probably originally written. Yes. What the beak is in, the Hulls is in a shiny purple, what the beak is in a matte Teal green. And then on the top, you've got this Hull's Brewing Company logo, which I really like because it's, it's a diamond, a teal shiny diamond with HB <laughs> Co. And it almost looks like the kind of HB Co, like the Dutch India Trading Company or something like that. <laughs> a very old late 1800s, early 1900s company logo. Yeah. Or at least font logo.
1: So on that note, I, I don't know about that logo that you were just talking about, how old that is, but the artist that they brought in for the can art, the current can art, did model the holes name, like mm-hmm. the way that it's written the curse of af- yep. after the the original.
0: Nice. I figured that's how it's got it. That had to be it. Yeah. That's such an old school kind of font. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the can says it was established in 1872, which is kind of a lie. Because It's a rebirth kind of a thing where <laughs> a whole new guy took it over, but they
1: were closed for like 40 something years. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll give it to them.
0: It sounds cool when you say it was established in 1872,
1: it's true. So, yeah, that's the
0: can. Go looking for it in your uh, local groceries or your local uh yeah, grocery store, liquor store, if you can. If you're from around the southern Connecticut area, yep, like we are,
1: it's a little bit of history, which is nice. Definitely sticks out on the shelf,
0: but yeah, that berry nose and that light IPA. If you're looking for an IPA to maybe introduce somebody to IPAs or you're going mm-hmm. to a party. And you want to bring an IPA, but you know there's a lot of people there who kind of are-
1: Who may not like IPA. Not huge fans yeah. of
0: IPAs. You can bring some of these and they should be okay with it, especially in like a party setting where you settle. At least you settle for good beer and not like yeah. Anheuser-Busch <laughs> crap beer. But it's uh, so interesting. super carbonated, low bitter, very forward. That No bitterness is what's going to, I think, let but people not, who don't like IPAs drink sweet. them. But it's not sweet. No, it's not. It's not a juice bomb, which no. is why I got kind of confused when you said juice box. It's- got hints of berry on the nose when you sip it so you you drink it you breathe through your nose and you're going to suddenly taste all those berry flavors that were there mm. other than that it does have an, a nice beer flavor it tastes lighter yeah than it it's looks. not
1: extremely malty i would say
0: no, and despite being somewhat hazy, I would say on my own personal haze scale, it's about mm-hmm. a fifty percent on the haze scale because I can see not just shadows. <laughs> I always try to put my hand against the hazy IPA to see how hazy it is. It's not mm-hmm. just shadows; I can see kind of the pinks of my fingers a little bit. It's not the haziest. A little bit of sediment on the bottom. So if that turns you off, I'm sorry. <laughs> but again, how long have we talked about this beer? Ten minutes now. Yeah, I still got I still got a foam head on this bad boy. It's true, and I'm halfway done now. Over halfway done. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they don't usually stick around that long.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I really enjoy this carbonation. I mm. really enjoy all the little bubbles dancing on my tongue. I don't need them in a beer. It's not like something I look for. And I don't grade a beer lower no, for it. No, but, but it's but
1: definitely enjoyable.
0: It's so. I was not expecting this many bubbles.
1: I do hope we can get more of this. We we got the last two individual cans that were left at the at the liquor store. We Hopefully did. Hopefully, we can grab more at some point.
0: It does have? I will say it does have a little bit of an alcohol. Taste when you get a little bit further into it as it kind of gets a little warmer. A little bit. But the flavors are good enough for me to see past that. And if I wasn't talking about this beer as much, I'd have been drinking it faster. It's not true. I You'd
1: be plate. finished with it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because that berry flavor is really strong at that start when it's mm-hmm. colder. But yeah, not bad. Very good. But, but uh, a
1: very different, like I wouldn't be able to compare this to the export lager.
0: It's tough to compare to the export lager. But if I was a, if i was at the liquor store, I'd get the export lager over this because the export lager is the perfect. Pizza lager. Yes. It is so good. It is so flavorful without being overpowering.
1: That's something that you can grab. And not tasting cheap anytime. And it will like satisfy you.
0: Yeah. And they come in 12 ounce cans, which mm-hmm. is nice. I mean, I, I like getting a pint for stuff like this where it's mm-hmm. super flavorful and there's so many interesting ingredients. But in a light Pilsner, I can just go through them, their local alcohol content, and I can drink maybe two of them and get a little bit more than a pint, but also choose to only drink a 12 ounce if I want while I'm eating. Yeah. The export lager is. Probably, I mean, there's other lagers I like out there, Mm -hmm. like beer by Tribus is really good.
1: Yes. So Uh, is the lager from Thimble Island.
0: Thimble Island's lager is good, but that Hulls Export lager is really good as well. It's so good. Yeah. Super crushable. That's,
1: that's I can see that's going to be something that we're going to have like stocked in the fridge to the summer.
0: Yep. And something I'm going to be bringing to parties parties and stuff like that. Like my brother doesn't like IPAs.
1: But he'll love that.
0: He'll love that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. It'll probably be the only logger if I see on draft when we go to restaurants that I'll probably buy. If I if, like it's food time.
1: When we are able to go back to restaurants. <laughs> I will say, though, um, for having reopened in January of 2018, I can't recall seeing this on draft at uh, restaurants pre-apocalypse. <laughs> uh,
0: it might be available in some New Haven restaurants. Yeah. Uh, more than we go to. We don't frequent them as often. New Haven is our close big city. For those of you who are not Connecticut residents, New yeah. Haven is probably the biggest city in Connecticut. Certainly the most popular city in Connecticut. Yeah.
1: Which is why we tend to shy away from it because parking is such a hassle.
0: Yeah. There's Even, some great restaurants in it though, especially yeah. around the Yale area. Yep. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows Yale.
1: So <laughs> Yale
0: is located in New Haven, Connecticut.
1: And we kind of set the bar as in terms of pizza goes with Sally and Peppy, and I mean... Yeah. New Haven pizza is tops. Yep. Plus the parties. <laughs> the parties, which is technically West Haven, but it's another haven. So
0: it's always considered like it's always listed with New Haven pizzas, though. So, yeah, because it's, so, it's like five it's minutes away.
1: So it's five minutes away from us, which is dangerously good. <laughs>
0: but yeah. West Coast people, you can buy Zupardi's, uh online. Actually, they'll ship it to you. Yeah, it's and frozen. You can, you can and taste- it's actually
1: there's some guy on YouTube that has gone to like over 200 pizza places across the United States, and Zuparties gets some of the highest ratings.
0: Well, Zuparties is almost always listed.
1: They're know, tops in terms of tops. frozen for him, but they get very high ratings, like a, even against Sally's and Peppies and like the you know the normally the, <laughs> the biggest one, ones, the ones to beat. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Zoo parties also often gets listed within that top ten mm-hmm. in the the country or even in the world list. Sometimes it drops off. Sometimes it gets back up there. But yeah, yeah. so
1: we're very lucky to have it right next at our disposal. <laughs> yeah,
0: New Haven and Brooklyn, which we're also kind of close to Brooklyn.
1: Close enough, so, yeah.
0: But those are those are the pizza capitals of the world, which mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to be real close by. Which. Is why we would drink them with a Hull's Lager. Ha ha! Uh, see how I brought it back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, this Circle is not back. Hull's
0: Export Lager. This is Hull's Wet the Beak, which is also really good. Which
1: very, very interesting. Very as drinkable. it warms up.
0: This is a very drinkable IPA in mm-hmm. the summertime because it's not overly bitter. It's not going to dry you out. It's gonna no. be. It's gonna be a refreshing IPA, which is nice to have as we get warmer. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have to say. About and that's that. what we got. So, uh, I think it's time to
1: go over maybe some pop culture news and reviews. Mm. I know you've got some stuff. What you got? Well, I am very excited to be able to talk about The Hunger Games, um, a series which I have loved for a very long time. But obviously, there hasn't been too much going on news-wise since Mockingjay Part 2 was in theaters um, back in 2015. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Can
0: I tell you why there's not much news? Because
1: there hasn't been much. And that's what I'm getting to.
0: The last few Hunger Games have so-
1: Stopped. Mockingjay was not great, but with Suzanne Collins working on a prequel novel, which will be called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, it, uh, which is That's set to f- be released very next Game month. Game of
0: Thrones title. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um, it was just announced yesterday, Tuesday, when we're recording this, that the book will also have its own movie with Francis Lawrence returning to direct, and with Suzanne Collins helping to adapt the script with one of the Catching Fire screenwriters. Mm-hmm. So that part I'm psyched about. Catching Fire. Well, I can't really choose between Catching Fire and the first Hunger Games as far as movies go. They were both really good. Mockingjay was an excellent book, but like I said, it it really didn't need to be broken up into two movies. That was just like a cash grab. Overall, I would say that the books are better than the movie version, but that's usually the case anyway. Um, so the the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is going to be set 64 years before the events of the first Hunger Games book. So we won't be seeing Jennifer Lawrence or Josh Hutcherson again, but we will get to see Donald Sutherland's character, President Snow, um, because the story revolves around Snow at age 18 when he's chosen to be a mentor in the 10th annual Hunger Games. But damn,
0: I was going to say we can get Kiefer. Oh, does Kiefer <laughs> have a son who wants to be
1: an actor? <laughs> Um, but elation turns to disdain when he realizes that the game tribute he's assigned to is from district 12 dun, dun, dun. and that's from entertainment weekly. <gasps> but yeah, because the news just broke yesterday, I couldn't even find like speculation as to who they're going to get to play a younger snow. I personally can't even think of anyone appropriate since we don't really know the character yet. We only know him as president snow age 80. <laughs> Um, so maybe once the book comes out, I'll be able to make my predictions if there aren't already rumors swirling by that point.
0: I'm too old at this point to know any good 18 year olds who could be in it.
1: <laughs> well, if he's, <laughs> if the character's 18, you know, it's going to be a 20 something playing anyway. It's
0: true. Timothy Shalamai, he plays everything now. <laughs> I do like the cover, the cover. I'm looking at the cover art yeah. right now of the book. Yep. It's like an old school, it's very it almost striking. looks like a very old school Mockingjay, like a Mockingjay that is before. Things got real regalish, mm-hmm. but I like that. Fun fact about Francis Lawrence, you know what his first direct full feature length directing gig was? What was it? Constantine. Really? From 2005. Nice. Starring Keanu Reeves, which is also an episode that we did for Forgotten Cinema.
1: Plug, plug, plug.
0: Right? <laughs> Shameless plug. But it did teach him a lot about making films and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Because it, it got him started to learn how to handle big movie stars because he worked with Keanu Reeves first, who was like a very easy working Oh, celebrity, well-known to be like an easy working guy, like an easy guy to get along with. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of went from there and he got a start in music videos, which you can kind of see and definitely see in Constantine and even seeing stuff like Water for Elephants and then Mm -hmm. the Hunger Games as well. You see a lot of that. Yeah, that very crisp picture, those colors that really pop. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's all kind of right there.
1: So, yeah, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The book is set to be released on May 19th and the movie will follow eventually. (laughs) (laughs) right now it's it's just marked as in production on imdb nothing no dates no cast no nothing nice yeah and that's what i got what do you got i got
0: two different news snippets yo
1: oh oh, snap, and
0: and a review as well which you can kind of chime in on well i think we both had the review kind of Mm. for once uh (laughs) so the first is that netflix has acquired the the movie rights to enola holmes which is going to star Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill. Okay. So Enola Holmes is a series of books based on, uh, from Nancy Springer and their Edgar award-winning book series. Enola Holmes is about Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, her younger teenage sister, Hmm. his younger teenage sister. So it's Sherlock and uh, the official plot synopsis is, Enola Holmes tells the story of Sherlock and Mycraft Holmes, rebellious teen sister Enola, a gifted super sleuth in her own right, who often outsmarts her brilliant siblings. When her mother mysteriously disappears on her 16th birthday, Enola seeks help from her older brothers, but soon realizing they're less interested in solving the case than in packing her off to finishing school, Enola does the only thing a smart, resourceful, and fearless young 1880s woman can do. She runs away to London to find herself.
1: (laughs) Is it because- Oh, I'm not done. There's another paragraph. Go ahead. (laughs) Is it because Enola is alone? (gasps) In Latin? No, backwards. Oh shit.
0: <laughs> Ugh, now I hate it. <laughs> ah, so fucking lame. All right. Meeting a cast of memorable characters along the way. Anola's caught in the middle of a conspiracy that could alter the course of political history. Anola Holmes puts a dynamic new female twist on the world's greatest detective and his brilliant family. The more I read that, which I did I did like the idea at first, now I hate it. And he just kinda glossed over the official synopsis and went right to the people's description of the movie. Uh. First of all, these books were already written a hundred years ago. You cannot all of a sudden have a sister who's smarter than Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft.
1: Yeah. This sounds like fan fiction brought to Yeah.
0: That's just dumb. Cause first of all, if Sherlock is ridiculously smart mm-hmm. and Mycroft is supposed to be smarter than Sherlock to the point where he's essentially on another plane of existence and is just like not human, mm-hmm. then it would go to like Anola can't exist. I'm sorry. So she can't be that yeah, smart. So none of this is 16. canon. No, this is written by another lady way, way, way after this. No. This is a more modern book series. And like she runs away from home to find herself in London. Fun fact about London, uh, you know where Sherlock Holmes lives? <laughs> 221B Baker Street in fucking London. <laughs> she ain't running nowhere, man. She ain't running <laughs> from nobody. Sherlock Holmes doesn't run from a mystery.
1: No, she never. Does.
0: And the fact that her mother disappears means it's this Sherlock Holmes' fucking mother, too. He's not running from that mystery.
1: No. Uh,
0: maybe yes. Yes. Maybe he does want to put her in a boarding school because Sherlock Holmes does not like people. Famously is just kind of like, eh, people, whatever. But come on.
1: I, I don't I don't know
0: about all that. Although the director of Fleabag and Killing Eve, Harry Bradbeer, is gonna direct an Ola Holmes, so he knows how to direct, you know, a female yeah, empowerment are, kind of those are both very and,
1: critically acclaimed
0: uh, projects. It's penned by Jack Thorne, who has adapted the screenplay. He also wrote Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, apparently. But I don't know if from what I'm reading, if that means he penned the Broadway play. Must be. J.K. Rowling had a co-writer with her for that, right? Yes. To help learn how to help write a script thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was gonna say there's also rumors that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child will be another movie coming out after Fantastic Beasts is done.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, letting, that makes sense.
0: Letting the main cast get a little older before they film it. Mm-hmm. So in addition to Millie Bobby Brown, who obviously plays Enola and Henry Cavill, who will be playing Sherlock. Uh, who will be the most buff Sherlock in history. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he can't even kind of get a little unbuff while he's doing the Witcher and Superman at the same time. So mm, yeah, no, this is going to be Not a Sherlock a who bit. can really kick ass. Uh, <laughs> Sherlock's going to rip your asshole oh God, out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> like I like Henry Cavill. I think he'd do a good job, but cause he also plays Smarmy really well from man uncle yes. uncle. Oh yeah. But he, Sherlock Holmes is supposed to be able to wear a bunch of disguises and hide anywhere yeah. he wants. And instead, you're going to get this six it's foot four muscle. Band, <laughs> like the handsomest guy in the world, like hiding somewhere and being like, yeah, no, no, I'm totally I work on this boat.
1: It's going to be such a departure from RDJ.
0: It's it's going to have to be hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I love Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes. He's still my favorite Sherlock Holmes. No offense. Such General good movies. Such good
1: soundtracks.
0: Yep. Uh, the cast is also going to include, and this gives me a little bit more hope for it, because that plot description is so fee- all-female Ghostbusters, it's making me mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helena Bonham Carter, who I love. I think she's fantastic. Yep. Sam Clayfin, who I also really like. Oh, he also was in Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. And is the only reason I like Hunger Games, it's too. true.
1: You loved Finnick.
0: Uh, he is a really good actor. I think I'm shocked he didn't do more after that movie.
1: Me too. That's how bad the he longer was games excellent.
0: two and three and three part two is because he didn't get any jobs after that.
1: Catching fire was really good. It was Mockingjay that was not good.
0: Mockingjay mm-hmm. is garbage. Catching fire is Okay. The original Hunger Games is actually pretty good. and made me excited for the next two, which were garbage. And then I had no interest to ever read those books.
1: But the books are so good. I've Doesn't read them matter. literally like three times at least. and Like that would be. Listen,
0: listen, count your Hunger blessings. Hunger
1: Games rivals. At some point,
0: I do really want to wa- read Harry Potter. So count your blessings that that's good. Okay, fine. <laughs> but Hunger Games is not good. I can't. I the would not be so able bad. to tell
1: you how many times I read Harry Potter. I've read the Golden Compass multiple times. and. The whole Hunger Games series, I would say at least three times.
0: I will absolutely be reading Harry Potter at some point. I will maybe read Golden Compass, depending on when and if I ever get back to the HBO show and finish that, depending how good it is. I'm going to tell you right up front right now, unless something goes horribly wrong with like a nuclear explosion and books are all I have left to read. (laughs) I will probably never read the Hunger Games.
1: I'm sad for you, though. It uh, it, it was was not the (laughs) lovey-dovey love story that they made it out to be.
0: I don't even care about the lovey-dovey love story. That's not the worst part of the movie. The movie was the worst part of the movie. <laughs> this isn't. This isn't a, a, a podcast about why the movies are awful. All
1: right, go go on.
0: Also starring <laughs> Adele, Actar, Fiona Shaw. Who? I'm not saying it again because I feel like I said it right the first <laughs> time, but I don't want
1: to re-say it. Fiona
0: Shaw, Francis DeLator, Louis Partridge or Louis Partridge, and Bern Gorman. Uh, there's no word when it will premiere on Netflix. I did read a while ago, although I don't remember when that they were doing something about this story. I don't know if it's already filmed or not. It's interesting. I'm not sure. But it's interesting to note that both Millie Bobby Brown, who's obviously plays Eleven on Stranger Things, Mm -hmm. and Henry Cavill, who is now The Witcher yep, in The Witcher, are now doing another movie for Netflix.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sure they have some kind of contract going on. But this is made by,
0: and this is interesting, it's A legendary picture, a legendary entertainment picture.
1: Oh.
0: And Legendary does a lot of films.
1: Don't they do a lot of horror? Not
0: so much horror, but they do a lot of big event movies. They do a lot of superhero movies. They do a lot of superhero-like movies. They do like Godzilla. They do Mm -hmm. all those kind of big kind of movies. So it's very interesting that somebody like Legendary would now be doing something on Netflix. Yeah. And I think that's also telling that maybe the theater industry is going to be ending soon.
1: Mm, Well.
0: So either way, very interesting news. Blame the Rona's. I will absolutely watch this because I love Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. I just don't love the fact that that that's like, let's get a girl in here as a main character and make her smarter than these characters that have existed for a hundred years. Yeah. It's very. You can't
1: just make something exist like just because it's. Yeah.
0: It's the same as if they made Enola uh, a 15 year old boy. Yeah. No, it's just, it's
1: it's adding something to the story that wasn't there before and for your own benefit. Yeah. Why do you have to make them all of a sudden
0: smarter than the main characters? You know, that doesn't make sense. you can have Superboy in a Superman story to, mm-hmm. to play on Henry Cavill's Superman character. <laughs> and he doesn't have to be more powerful than Superman. He's an interesting character in his own right, because now he's got these teenager problems with all these powers. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to be smarter than Sherlock Holmes. She can be developing. She can be very smart as well. Yeah. Maybe even someone that would equal Mycroft or Sherlock at some point when she grew up. Mm-hmm. But her teenage teenagerness kind of gets in the way a little bit and she's got to overcome that. Like the fact that you're making her so superpowered at a young age and more superpowered than these people that have it takes away from
1: the original story. Yeah I
0: don't I don't like that. It's like when you do King Arthur movie story spinoffs as well Mm -hmm. and King Arthur is no longer the best character. Established mythology should not be messed with.
1: No, I agree.
0: But you can play in those worlds, I'm sure. That's fine. My next bit of news is a little less negative.
1: Yay.
0: (laughs) Uh so a new Star Wars series is in the works at Disney Plus from Russian dolls. Leslie Headland,
1: Ooh.
0: And anybody who has listened to this podcast before knows that we love Russian Dolls. Yeah. It was a fantastic show on Netflix. So good. It was so interesting. It's going to be a female led Star Wars series. There's not a lot of word yet what it's going to be about. Okay. Only she's going to be the I don't know if she's going to be the showrunner but she's going to be the creator of the show. And according to Variety it will be a female centric series that takes place in a different part of the Star Wars timeline than other projects. Hmm. So that's very interesting as well. So does it take place after uh, Rise of Skywalker, the latest Star Wars movie, do we get to see the future of the Star Wars universe? Are we going to go back in time to see more of maybe the Old Republic or Mm -hmm. the prequel series? Or they're doing now like the Golden Age of the Republic book series and cartoons and comic books. And it's going to be called the High Republic and it's going to take place before the prequel series, but not the Old Republic, like a time when Jedis were just there were no more Sith. The Jedi were like knights of the round table. Everything was honorable. They were mm. really gaudy. They were really <laughs> uh, seen as these really regal people. And the universe wasn't, the galaxy wasn't quite as established yet. The Republic didn't stretch as far. So there's a lot of the main bad guys in this regard, Viking type bad guys who are like on the outer rim who conquer and oh, play weird. and stuff like that. So it's a very like wild Westy time mm-hmm. because there are so many systems and stuff that aren't part of the republic that need defending and these jedi go out as explorers as knights as protectors and they go to these different sectors and plant themselves down to be these people that defend the realm essentially mm-hmm. so it's going to be a very interesting star wars saga is able to not mess with the things that people love about star wars the ultra public era the what's now considered legends anything that wasn't in the movies is now a legend mm-hmm. that doesn't exist anymore now they've erased it and everybody hates that
1: oh so yeah, who loves weird. star
0: wars because for you know twenty years between the prequels and the original trilogy, there were all these novels and books and comics and cartoons that took over where there was a gap in no Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then after the prequels, there was another big here's more established universe stuff that we're creating before Disney bought it and created uh, Force Awakens, and then oh. they added that Disney squashed. Han Solo's original kids, Luke's original kids, and his wife, Mara Jade, all of that. The mm-hmm. Shadows of the Empire doesn't exist anymore. So much established Star Wars lore got destroyed because Disney wanted to do their own thing. But mm-hmm. now Disney is taking a smart approach, probably because fans are sick of Disney's bullshit when it comes to <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, and granted, I do like the sequel series. hmm but I don't like, yeah, I don't like how they destroyed and just erased everything else. Nah. So now they're dealing with a timeline that has never really been explored that much mm-hmm. that they can do whatever they want with and not steamroller over things that all the fans like. So hopefully this new female led story will take place during that time, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And the great thing they'll be Russian- able to
1: incorporate the things that people like, but not yeah.
0: Yeah. The themes, the way that Star Wars is told that people like maybe even take over themes that you haven't explored yet. What's great about Russian Doll is Russian Doll explores so many different ideas oh, God, yeah. and themes and is funny. And clever. And clever and sad and, and dramatic at the mm-hmm. same time and deals with a lot of issues while also having this great sci-fi twist that you don't really see coming. Like, no, <laughs> it seems at first like it's just a gimmick. Like, All right. She groundhog days herself, (laughs) but they really explore it in a really science fictiony way Mm -hmm. while also exploring mental health and abuse and all this kind of and and suicide and all these kind of big ideas all in a very grounded, real, super sci-fi show. Yeah. And I think that makes (laughs) it for a great series. So good. She's really good. But the writing, the creation, the story. Like those kind of ideas in a Star Wars story that completely does its own thing. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Like a female-led series would be really interesting as well. It's a Because again, anytime somebody does like, oh, it's going to be a female-led something, it's always in a way that's supposed to trounce, establish things that traditionally had males as the roles. That's what gets people mad is because you're trying to steamroll over something else. Yeah. But when you're blazing a new trail, that's more interesting and something that everyone can get behind. Mm-hmm. And I think that this female-led Star Wars story... Is something that can really be something that takes off for both female and males and establishes like some new great female heroes.
1: Yeah. We don't did, we have just, to be. We need to get to a things. point where it doesn't have to be female led. It's just like the hero, whoever is best for the part, male or female, is the lead. Yep. And it shouldn't make a difference. Well,
0: I get that you want to look for females. Yeah. And I get that you want to have a female led thing. But usually it's to take over another character, Mm -hmm. or in Ghostbusters' case, it's like we're just going to redo Ghostbusters with all females. This isn't redoing Star Wars. They're not all of a sudden recasting A New Hope. Mm -hmm. They're same universe. Here's a bunch of lady Jedi's who are going to find somebody else. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple of guys. You can't not have guys at all. No, but it's going to be a very interesting series and blaze a new trail with new heroes. Yeah for people to look up to, including for, for males to look up to and young males, especially mm-hmm. for star Wars. And I think always have, having good female role models is very important for younger people. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, you know, I had Sarah Connor and princess Leia and there was all supergirls super girls and the Superman comics. And, um,
1: I don't even know who you're trying to think oh, of. So don't look at And in like there. Lois
0: Lane <laughs> and Superman as well was always very independent and smart and did her own thing and, and didn't really need Superman. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a very good show for that to be, have these strong female characters as well. Star Wars has Ahsoka Tana now in the Clone Wars series, mm-hmm. which I don't watch a ton of, but I know she's a really strong, very popular character. So I'm glad Star Wars has more of those as, as well as characters in uh, the new Mandalorian show that are strong female characters as well. Yeah. So that's what I was pretty cool. So that's what I got in terms of news. Nice. And now we have to do a review.
1: Yeah. This is going to be a quick one, folks, because it wasn't that great. We tried to give it a chance, and okay, so uh, we're talking about Bruise Brothers on Netflix, which Mike originally wanted to review for you guys. I had some interest in watching it, um, but we we gave it a shot, and if you like beer,
0: you're gonna need a lot of it to get through to the get, show.
1: Yeah, we we barely made it through the first episode. It just it's just not good.
0: It's not good. It's not very funny.
1: It's not funny at all.
0: The jokes don't land. They're infantile at best. Yeah. At worst, they just don't land. They're not good. The storyline of these two brothers making beer and like some of the beer is great, but they also have people climbing in the tanks and, oh, I lost my wallet in the tank. I got to go back in. And it's like, oh, don't do, oh, it's gross. And food truck people that are gross. It's just like taking these things like, oh, everybody's been to a brewery. So let's take these things from a brewery and Mm -hmm. make them gross. Or funny. But it just doesn't work. It's written like it's supposed to be a newspaper comic. It's written like it's Garfield. (laughs) Like just the lowest common denominator comedy. But in like a live action series for adults, it's just not good. The characters are all one dimensional or cartoonish or buffoonish. It just is insulting to anybody who likes beer. It's insulting to anybody who likes comedy.
1: Like you could have, you could have taken any other industry and place these characters in it and it would just be the same thing. There's no yeah, awful. <laughs> yeah. Just don't bother. <laughs> oh,
0: and, and spoiler at the end of the episode, they pee in the beer and a guy oh, likes it. Cause no. he drinks pee. <laughs> I get it. It's funny. Cause pee is gross. It's really not good. I don't know how it got on Netflix. Cause they apparently say yes to everything. In that case, Netflix, I have quite a few scripts for you, uh, but <laughs> do your best to stay away from this show. Yeah. It is awful. And on that note, I need more beer.
1: We love beer. In fact, we love this beer. Wet the Beak from Hulls Brewing Company in New Haven, Connecticut. Nice. (laughs) So drink this beer. Don't watch that show.
0: (laughs) But do check out all our other episodes and visit us on social media. Like, review, rate, subscribe our show. Please. That would help us out a lot. (laughs) Show it to your friends. Play it in your breweries. Whatever you can. (laughs) Uh you can also send us an email at cracking one open, open at, at gmail dot com. Let us know any beers you want us to do. Um please. as long as they're available in the Southern Connecticut area or you can legally ship them to us, I guess, mm-hmm. and we'll try them and review them. <laughs> uh we love drinking beer that's out of reach that normally we can't get to. Mm-hmm. So please, if you're a brewery from
1: yeah, we're hoping outside of to the area, yeah, and you expand. can send stuff to us. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. We'll you know, pay for it just like
0: absolutely. Let's go.
1: Yeah. I know that now, at
0: least in Connecticut, a lot of blue laws that exist that really stifle.
1: Yeah. They kind of the like. The liquor
0: industry are being loosened very, now.
1: Yeah. Lax about that during this uh, time. And so
0: hopefully it stays that way. And hopefully other states and, and shipments between states are like opening up. So we That'd can be awesome. We can all share in, in the great love of beer that we all have yeah. and um, try things that are on, you know, the other coast of America from sea <laughs> to shining sea. Let's share these beers. But
1: well, yeah. Any suggestions? Amber waves of grain. Am I right? <laughs> so yeah, please check us out. Well, this is a, a switch of roles. I guess I just got to ask you if you, you got any shameless plugs because oh, no, no, I, I, I don't on. know you're forgotten I can,
0: I can take your crap. Or I can take everything. Hold on. All right. And special thanks to Joe Reichert for producing and creating the theme for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even need me? <laughs> and, uh. If you want to hear more from me, <laughs> you can listen to my other podcasts. I've got two player bros that I do with my buddy Dave, where we go over all things video game related. We do a deep dive on a different video game every episode. Uh, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Oh, no, we're listening to this on a Thursday. No,
1: nope. yeah, you listen to this on 2BB on a is That's Thursday. Right. Well, this so is Friday.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, our episode, uh, this crack and one open episode, our Shovel Knight episode, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove episode has just been released. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can listen to our deep dive on that and how it was made and the things we enjoy about the game and what it's about. As well as future episodes, and you can see that at twoplayerbros.com, links to all our social medias and such. I've also got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field, writer-director Mike Field, where we'd look at a different movie every episode, uh, movies that seem to have been forgotten by audiences, whether Mm -hmm. because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film didn't simply catch on with an audience in its initial run. We discuss what we love about it. Maybe what we don't love about it, but why you should give it a chance, and why we think it was forgotten. That's at forgottencinema or wherever podcasts can be found, and you can also email us at cinema pod at gmail dot com.
1: And uh, I guess thanks for joining us. That's right for cracking one open. I'm Mike, and I'm Elise. Cheers. Cheers.